welcome back, welcome back to the Stefan Era podcast, home of everything race, religion, and culture. Look, last week we left off on this horrible, unforgivable, disastrous thing that I did in the Presbyterian Church. It was infamous, it was painstaking, and it was legendary. Still talked about to this day, and my name will forever be synonymous with that act. Y'all want to know what it is? Y'all want to hear what I did? All right, all right, take a deep breath. Okay, this is hard for me to say. And disclaimer, before I say it, I first want to say that this was years ago, right? So if anyone is wanting to come after me, the Presbyterian Mafia or anything like that, it didn't happen recently, okay? This was somewhere around five or more years ago. I have changed. I have grown up and I stopped attending Presbyterian church ministries. I stopped going to their picnics, their get-togethers, their prayer lines. I mean, the whole shebang, right? I even walk on the other side of the street when I go near a Presbyterian church. So I mean y'all no harm. I come in peace. Black man walking, okay? But this is what I did to that poor church who didn't deserve it, didn't ask for it, to those older people who were just trying to live their life and live it in peace to the generation of members and family members and visitors and forefathers and foremothers. I painted a few walls. There, I said, yeah, I painted a few walls. Now, was it, it wasn't in the sanctuary where everybody comes in on Sunday to have church. It wasn't in a fellowship hall where they go after church to hang out and eat Mama Linda's turkey bones and chicken wings. It wasn't outside the building where people could walk by the church and see it. It wasn't in the bathroom, wasn't on the landing, wasn't on the side of the building, the parking lot, none of that. But a small office that was way, 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 way back in the corner that no one used visited. It was my office and the adjoining office was the children's Sunday school room. Yeah, that was it. Now, half the listeners want to crucify me because how could you do that, right? How could you go to someone else's property and paint the walls like that? The other half of the listeners are like, for real? This is the thing? And yeah, this is totally the thing. This is the great evil in the Presbyterian church. Now, when it came to how it got done, right, I spent my own money to buy everything, all the paint brushes, paint everything, right? I think we had some kids come with us to help decide what colors they wanted for the, the, the kids' room or the Sunday school room. We spent the time and hours doing the work, uh, painting and, and everything, and it happened. And for my office, I got a darker color, which looked different, you know, in the store than it actually did we put on the walls. It was like a, a dark purple, but you know what? It looked good and we loved it. It was ours, and we were the only people who ever went to that room. Well, I mean, until it got painted, you know. Then people started showing up. I didn't even know went to the church. They were coming off, off the, just to look at the office. You know, they were coming off the street like, yo, you painted this wall? And I'm like, bro, you wouldn't even come to church. And they'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. But I did today, though. I did today, you know. But this was the great cardinal sin of the Presbyterian church. This was the thing that ruffled the feathers of the church folk. I mean, they didn't care about homelessness. They didn't care about world hunger. They didn't care about violence and domestic violence in the community. They cared about a wall in their Sunday school room, in the empty classroom that they never Never went and visited, and that wasn't even in use prior to my existence. Now, in my defense for this heinous crime, I thought my title of executive director meant something more than just words on the paper, right? I mean, as an executive director, I had ownership of those spaces and could modernize them when I was ready to do so. Not the entire church, just my own little two areas. And not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but doing it with the intention uh, and purpose of helping the church 
starts to grow, becoming more comfortable for the youth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, people in my age group even visited and complimented the room. Like, yes, this is what we need. The church is advancing finally. This is great stuff. The visitors were excited to see movement in this stagnant church community. So I did it. And then they wrote me a letter. And it was one of the nastiest letters I have ever received. Now, later I found out that they didn't go through the proper channels and officers, etc., to deliver the letter, which also ruffled some feathers, but very minimal compared to painting the wall. And their basic intent for the letter was to really let me know that I don't run anything here and how dare I paint a wall in this church without their permission, their approval, etc. Um, I could create without permission. I could remove toys and stuff they had since 1928 without permission. I could teach and preach and do up curriculum without permission. I can do all these things, just couldn't paint a wall apparently. And in all fairness, when I came to the church, I told them what needed to be done, right? Which included painting the walls. I had discussions about it and it didn't go any further than them saying, not right now, but hey, sounds great. Great idea. And I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, this is the same place where a woman said that the church would bring in a flat screen TV and put on a wall over her dead body. So I didn't know at the time how anti-modern they really were. I just, I just didn't know. So I just thought that the environment should be what the kids actually wanted who have to go there every Sunday. And likewise for my office, instead of, you know, people dying, uh, the, the walls are like people dying in a hospital eating jello colored walls. You know, I thought we need something a little different, a little fresh, a little more life giving. So a letter came that one of the nastiest letters I've received. And following that letter came a meeting. Now I had spent my own money to pay for the equipment, my own time to do the work. And it was a gift to the church that I loved at that time. Letter comes, meeting comes, and they say in the meeting to me with the doors closed, are y'all ready for this? We need you to pay us $1,000 for us to repaint the walls. Did not cost them anything, mind you. It was all done free of charge for them. And then they turn around and say that on top of the nice letter they sent, they turn around and say on top of that, that we need you to pay us $1,000. No, 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 sir. I was through. I mean, the audacity of these old church people, right? They plan to simply make deductions out of my check. And that was it in a discussion, right? And I can't describe how I felt. Now, Harold was there. He was the pastor, right? And and when he came into the painted rooms, all Harold did was criticize. You missed a spot there. There's paint on the baseboard over there. No one really cared about the innovation of the church or the modernization of the church. And I guess I was a little ignorant or blind for believing that people would. Now, when they hired me and the entire time I was working there, they had sold me on modernizing the church, on helping the children and on the freedom that I actually had to operate. I never had an issue, outstanding reviews, promotions, not one problem with anyone ever. And then I painted the wall, became public enemy number one. And you would have thought that I had beat up on one of the members, sexually assaulted somebody in the bathroom, molested a child, something of that severity. That's how they treated me. And of course, most of the people who attended church didn't even know, right? Because they literally, they, they didn't work for the church. You literally get up and they come to their show and then they leave and go home. So they had no clue behind the scenes what was happening. And Harold was there and Harold was in the center of it all, you know, and, and here is this young man who potentially is the future of the church because Harold was planning on looking to retirement, you know, years down the road pretty soon. And I was in the ordination process and I was potentially the future. Never made any mistakes before. This was literally the first offense that had ever taken place with me in this 
this actual church. And on the other side, you know, he had relationships he had built with the members and families. He had the people who were pissed off about the walls, yada, yada, yada. And Harold had to make a decision. And Harold allowed that letter to reach my hands. Harold allowed them to and agreed with them when at that table they told me to give them a thousand dollars. Harold co-signed the whole entire process. And that day in that moment, Harold and everyone there made it more than clear that the future didn't matter. And and only not only the future, but the person who was me, who had built for them, who had labored with them, who had gave continually of my talents, time and finances and my presence meant absolutely zero, right? Those walls weighed more than the entire body of work that I did there at that church. And of course, now when I came to, to eventually leave, they tried to throw at me, what about the kids? And I'm like, yeah, what about them? You know, you guys didn't think about the kids when you were asking me to pay a thousand dollars and trying to put your power and authority and rudeness on me. We're thinking about the kids then, you know, so don't throw it on my lap like I'm the victim because I'm not or I'm the uh, perpetrator because I'm not. Now, there are several options when it came to maturely resolving the issue, I think, right? Two of them could have been, hey, ask me to repaint the walls back. I mean, sure, it would have hurt and stung, but I would have did it and maybe we st- I would have still been at the church today, right? Just say, hey, you know what? We like it. Thanks for the, uh, you know, motivation or whatever. Go paint the walls back. We went back to the regular code. We had the walls before. Okay, fine. It sucks, but cool. Um, or, hey, we're hurt because we love our dingy white walls that belong in a hospital. And maybe you didn't know that you got to kiss five people's butt around here before anything gets done. But let us show you whose butt to kiss and how to do it so that next time, you know, before you do anything that makes us better, you go and kiss somebody's butt. Because that's what it's really about. It's not about making the community better. It's not about giving to our kids and all that stuff that we talk about. It's really all about power. Now, there are more options and we could go on all day about those options, but that thing just bothered me, right? Now, after the famous wall painting event of 2015 or whatever year it was, you know, there was a pastor's retreat and they asked me to present a presentation at the retreat. And I told them, y'all, I told them, I said, look, I don't think that's a good idea, right? I told them, I said, I don't think y'all will be presenting right now, but they insisted, they insisted, right? And so, yeah, I did it and kind of pissed off Harold, right? Because I'm literally sharing my truth among his peers and Harold must have felt some kind of way. But strangely, a few of them actually agree with my point of view. And most of my thesis and comments were about how the church doesn't want to grow. It really just wants younger people to come there and to help convalesce the older people who are existing, right? And then it wants younger people to go down with the ship. It's like it's like we're at sea and there was a hole in the boat. And instead of grabbing a bucket and throwing the water out, they want you to kiss butt and basically ask for a bucket. And then they want you to wait until we drown before they hand you the bucket. And I'm literally sitting in the boat uh, with them as water is rushing in and they are making me powerless to even save myself from the madness that's going on around. So time went on and I simply became miserable, you know, working at that church and doing all I had done. And this was the response to the only issue I ever had with them. And so I believe the best thing to do was to leave. You know, I didn't want to come to church with an attitude. I didn't want to come in there and have mood swings. I thought it would be unfair for the people who came there to serve the Lord and experience God. They don't want somebody walking around with attitude all the time. It's not it's not cool. Right. So they didn't come to church for that. So I wrote Harold a, a nice email, not like the bad you know letter he gave me, but a nice one. And I titled it Letter of Resignation. Well, Harold responded and he changed the heading to 
letter of termination, you know, which was very petty, I thought, very petty. But, you know, hey, still trying to be bigger. I asked him in the email if you wanted a meeting to kind of discuss things and figure out where we went wrong so that basically the next person who came in, they wouldn't have some of the same issues with that next young person they may have been looking for. Um, so, you know, look at me, still trying to help and love the church. Give me a cookie and a sticker, pat in the back, right? So Harold said, hey, that'd be great, man. I'd love that. Cool. Okay. So we plan a date. I go home. I write my side of the story up, stay up all night. Got talking points, dates, times, examples, the whole nine. Get to the office and sit down with Harold. And Harold says, thanks for everything. We just want to wish you good luck in the future. So we're not going to talk about what happened. And Harold says, and I quote, no, we're Presbyterians and we don't do that. Now, I think looking back that Harold was in some way trying to emphasize his power or authority or get the last laugh or whatever, right? I mean, making me drive all the way down to the church and wasting my gas for basically nothing. I mean, really, Presbyterians don't do that. Presbyterians don't talk about issues. They don't reconcile things. They don't want to hear how over a year of work and a candidate for ordination just stops. I was shocked because... All this Jesus and love talk we do, and in this moment, all of it was absent and missing. So I left, and that was it. Told Harold he could take my name off the membership roll and everything. I ran into him a couple times around town, and I saw he trying to duck and dodge. So I made sure I spoke to him, had some small talk, and you know, let him know everything was all right. Now, now really, Harold should have been ashamed of himself and how he acted. The whole church leadership really should have been. And hey, I shouldn't have painted them folks' wall, right? So, but would I do it again if I can go back and? time? Yeah, probably. I probably totally would do it again, right? I ain't gonna lie. I would go in there and whoop them things up one more time just for the history sake of it, right? But they have the opportunity to really just be something amazing and special to that community. And now it's, it's going to be an old folks home. That's just what it is, you know? And hopefully they will find someone to come in there and help them fix it. Now, two of the members did approach me a few months ago and they wanted to discuss me returning to preach there every now and then, right? And it was interesting because it had been like five years. So it took five years for leaders, two of the leaders in that church to approach me and say, we want you to be active in church. We want you to preach and be part of the community again. How do you sit in a position of leadership and grieve for five years about something you thought was wrong and only when the pastor retires and only when you need help with preaching and things like that, then you come back and say you might have been wrong or that situation was wrong and you want to bring the person back into the fold. Now, I told them I was going to think about it. I was going to write a sermon. I got busy. And when I hit them up, they had the calendar filled. So I was like, okay, cool. Just just moving on, you know. And that church was interesting because I lived and grew up in the city and never knew it existed. If I hadn't started working there, I still to this day would not know it existed. I would never have gone there. And I was literally trying to help them with exposure to that community. And we were starting to move in that direction, but I think I realized that everyone didn't share the vision that I brought to the table. Now, Harold made a choice, right? He had a choice. He made a choice. It was his choice. But if he had weighed the future a little more uh, than he did than the current condition of the ministry at the time, then I think it would have been different to this day. Currently, they're looking for a new pastor because Harold retired and they kind of just have random people coming in to preach and teach. Again, Harold's a wonderful man. Appreciated my time with him. Don't have any really negative things or bad things to say about him 
except this, right? But we we just, you know, we are where we are, and that's okay. Now, moving on to the most recent church, uh, Faith Christian Church with Bishop Larry Taylor, great man of God, small church, big heart. Again, nothing bad to say. My drama comes more outside of him and in a larger with the Disciples of Christ folk. But to make this one a little more brief, I came to that church, joined that church, and just started working. I came with the intention to work, and that's what I did, right? I preached, I teached, I organized, I watched down the sidewalk, I gathered the men, took the youth on a hiking trip. I mean, anything that was needed, I was a guy and did it without complaint, no matter how much strain was involved. Once again, I was in the ordination process, uh, and, you know, I was going to, yeah, that's, that's a whole other podcast on itself, actually. I guess that's a whole other podcast. So we'll do another podcast about that topic because that's a whole lot we got to cover and we ain't got the time to do it today. So maybe next podcast, we'll just have that one story that we can end and move on from this church stuff. Now, carrying on with, with Larry. COVID hit and, and we're online all of a sudden. There wasn't a plan for it, but lucky for them, I had a camera, some, some editing skills, lighting equipment, and bam, we're online. We're able to transition almost flawlessly. As I said before, I'm doing all this for free, everything I'm doing for free, right? But the freer I became, then the more taxing and demanding the task became to be. Now, not everyone works with video and photo and things like that. And I know those that don't literally think that you press a button and it's done, but sorry to burst your little bubble, right? It actually takes hours in some cases. And I was trying to build a sort of template for use from scratch. So the way it started was I would travel to the pastor's house, film his preaching, then go home and get video sent to me or record them myself, people singing and things like that. Then kind of place everything in order and together, then go and find the scriptures he used so I could place them on the screen. This meant I had to watch the sermon, you know, like an hour even or so more just to know where he said what he said so I can put it there. And sometimes he gave me verses, sometimes he didn't. So most times I had to go and look it up and then type it up and then insert it in place uh, at the video. Anybody tired yet? This sound like it's tiring, right? Now the video went live like on Facebook every Sunday at 11 or 12. So once the pastor got the message, maybe Saturday, I had to travel to his home, record, come home, work all night to get it up on the platform. If there was a delay, error, etc., then guess what? I'm up even longer. Time continued to progress and COVID did as well. And soon he was just sending me videos, right? But the time got later and later. So now we talking uh, me getting all that I needed like at 6 p.m. on Saturday. And again, working through the night sometimes into the early morning in order to get it done by Sunday morning. I mentioned I was doing all this for free. So basically I lost all of my weekends and my wife was even complaining because instead of being in bed, I'm up on a computer all night, can't sleep until it's loaded and ready to go. Now try suggesting that we do a few sermons in one setting or a few settings. That way, you know, we can have a couple in the box and we can be done and we can be ready to go in advance. That way we both can have a break. We, he can get some fresh ideas for sermons and I can get some rest. Then I try suggesting we should maybe have a cutoff date and time of Wednesday so I can get back some of my weekends because literally it turned into me spending my entire weekend working and waiting on these videos and I wasn't even getting paid for it or compensated. Now, I don't want to focus on the pay as being a point of contention because I really was trying to work and serve and help them. But when the band gets paid and if I have to be absent, you're talking about paying somebody else to come in and do 
it, then, you know, we got to kind of start raising our eyebrows at things like that. So I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm power washing the sidewalk, I'm editing church services for Sunday. Uh, now the pastor doesn't take a salary, he doesn't get paid, and, you know, his dad had the church and passed it down to him, etc. So in his mind, this was our church. So since he worked for free without pay, then guess what? We should work for free without pay. And, you know, there were things he did to try to, to, to do here and there and, you know, take time to eat, things like that. But but it couldn't equal anywhere near the sort of compensation. And we both knew that. We both recognized that. But one night, I talked to my wife because we're trying to figure out somehow to be a little more forceful but respectful and trying to, to Maxine Waters my time, you know? So let the pastor know that I will need the videos by Wednesday. And if I didn't have it by Wednesday, then I'll just post a sermon that we did previously. It'd be like a flashback service. It'd be online. It'd be a throwback. It works well. But pastor wasn't feeling that, right? Wednesday would come. I need the videos by four o'clock. He called four o'clock. Four o'clock turned to six o'clock. Six went to tomorrow. On and on and on. And we're back where we started. Now, I preach myself here and there. And I know that we need to move when God speaks. But God just always happened to speak to him at the last minute. So he and God was up there working me like a fresh dress on the corner. You feel me? So I'm like, yo, what's going on here? So on this last occasion, this happened several, several times. On the last occasion, the pastor missed the deadline. And I wasn't really in for all the calls because I knew when he called, he's going to have an excuse and want to delay it. So I'm good on that right now, right? So did a flashback service, posted it, and it was up there. Then later on, informed him and began enjoying my weekend, right? Hey, pastor is posted. I'm going for my weekend. I had friends over to the house. My wife cooked. We had music playing, trying to relax and enjoy them. I ain't seen him in a while. Next thing you know, phone rings. And guess who it is? Rings again, rings again, rings again, rings again. So I respond, hey, pastor, it's loud where I'm at. You know, I can't talk right now. What's up? What's going on? He responds, call me, call me. Now, I just said I, I couldn't talk at the moment because it was loud, but he's still saying, call me, call me, call me. So put the phone down. Talk to my friends. Bam. Phone rings again. Phone rings again. Phone rings again. Did I mention I was doing this for free? I just want to check in. Phone rings again, and I finally pick it up. And he wants to tell me that he got some more footage or whatever to add to the service this Saturday, you know, uh, this Sunday. It's Saturday night right now. You know, I have friends over the house, and we about to eat dinner. We have a long night of entertainment planned ahead of us. Just watch some movies, something like that. But we just chilling, you know. So I politely told him, Pastor, I don't, I just don't think we have time anymore to try to get this together. I already posted a flashback service and we should roll with that. Now, immediately, this is what he says. Wow. 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 Yeah, that's what he said. Just like that. Probably more times than that. So now I'm pissed because I'm sitting here and I picked up the phone. I'm staying on the phone to be courteous. I'm even staying on here and not hanging up on him because he's a pastor, right? So I'm being courteous. I'm just letting him go on until he finally hung up. But I was pissed because I was literally slaving and all my weekends were gone. And at this moment, I had guests at the house and he should have understood that because he'd been a guest at the house before, right? So he knows what I was doing. And he calls and calls and calls and calls to get me on the phone just so he can say, wow, wow, wow. I can't make this up. The pastor is in his 70s. Where is the maturity? Where is the consideration? Where is the respect for me and the labor that I'm given? Like the all the doing I'm doing, all the sacrificing and support. Where is all that all of a sudden? Never had any issues. Never had any arguments with anybody. I, I had just always been there. And basically, 
I got burnt out. But I was so upset that he just disregarded what was going on in my own life and literally bombarded his way onto the phone so that he can have like a four-year-old in front of my guests. You know, those other stuff too. You know, I would go to church. Um, other things were happening. But but even when I went to church, I wasn't really receiving anything. You know, when the people there were preaching, including himself, I wasn't learning anything. I wasn't growing. I was just working. So in a sense, I was starving spiritually, if that makes sense to anybody. And then I was starving financially. So really, there was nothing I was gaining from the situation. I even wanted uh, a sister of mine that I know to come preach. And I believed in her. I thought it'd be exciting to have her. She was down. We need more women to come in and bring that fire. And she was down. And then I was shut down on that by him. You know, so I really didn't have any ownership. It was more like I was the senior worker uh, and at that time in history. And the one time in my entire church history with that church, I took I took a sick day. I didn't appreciate how I was treated. So he sent me a message, you know, eventually when it was over and let me know that he took down what I put up and he put his own message up. And my response was, it's your church. You can do whatever you want to do. You know, now I looked at it and it wasn't good. I could see how some someone, I think I know who that someone was. They went ahead and tried to take elements from the video that I'd done before and try to kind of duplicate it. And it just didn't look good. It, it just didn't look good at all. You know, and one thing I've noticed about me that I'm grateful for is that I'm irreplaceable. Really? He tried to have someone else come in and, and do what I did. And it didn't really work. Even with that other pastor that kind of talked about me from the pulpit, he preached about me in Germany. I was doing plays. And when I left, that guy tried to have some other guy come in there and do plays. And it just didn't work. It just didn't work. So I've learned to be confident because I know what I bring to the table. I know that I come with with so much talent, really, that if I walk away, I'm irreplaceable. And I think all these churches, if they would have realized that, then maybe they would have reacted a little bit different, you know, and I'm a humble guy, so I'm not here to brag, not here to boast. It's not me. I live a quiet life. I just get stuff done. So he called me and he told me he replaced it. It wasn't good. I was burnt out and I told him I need need a sabbatical because I'm done, right? And I usually sabbatical was a break to, to just make it plain. It's just, it's a simple break. But he immediately began to speak in a way where he knew it was goodbye. Like, you know, it, it was no doubt this was goodbye. Now, he couldn't bring himself to apologize for his behavior, right? Uh, heavens no for that. But he thanked me and told me about all the amazing things I had done and wanted me to come and go out to eat with him and the whole nine. But all he really had to do was say I was out of line. My apologies. So currently I'm off the roster. More than likely won't be returning to the team. You know, I moved to another city anyway. And my giving and my skills were maximizing that place. I had plans to try to make them recognizable, to do some things. And a lot of what I had plans to do for that ministry actually did get done. They still got a stud over there named Manny, and he is a pillar that remains there at that ministry. And I wish them the best of luck going forward. I do still attend church, but I'm not working at church right now, right? I'm just kind of going there to get a great word, which I do. And I kind of just feed myself spiritually. Now, I'm not sour on the church at all. And should another opportunity come up, that's paying, right? Um, then I might bring all my talents and ministries once more along with me to some new ones, you know, to some new churches and opportunities that I've developed. Um, well, I said that all wrong. If it's paying, uh, then I will probably go there and take all my talents with. That's what I'm trying to say. That's It is what it is right now. So that's my story, you know. And, and you know what? We got one more somewhat juicy, somewhat drama filled story that I have to I have to tell y'all about with these disciples. Disciples of Christ. I got to tell y'all this one, right? So when we come back in the next episode, I'm going to tell y'all 
about this one more thing and then we done. We done. I spent too much time on this already. So listen, if you want to support the podcast, which you should be doing by now anyway, right? I mean, if you come in here and you eat and you being full and hey, are you entertained? You know, are you not entertained? This is what this is about. So listen, share the podcast with other people to expose them to the great things that you're hearing. Support financially on Cash App or Venmo. Tag is Stephen G1963. Email me at HumbleTalent1 at SBCGlobal.net to chew me out, to tell me how good my bald head looks, or if you dying to put a topic on the table that you just think needs my view and opinion. Also working on a website for all this as well, and it should be out soon. So there you'll be able to go and basically do all the things I just mentioned there in one central location and stay subscribed and tuned in to your boy. We'll conclude this drama next week, so I'll see you all Monday. Until then, peace, love, and grace. We out.